Welcome to Kitchen Chat, everyone. This is Margaret McSweeney, your host, and I'm broadcasting from my kitchen counter here in the Chicago suburbs. I want to welcome you back to the show if you're a repeat uh, listener. And for those new listeners that might be out there, I'd like to share a little bit about Kitchen Chat and, and the show concept Basically, everything happens in the kitchen, doesn't it? Uh, it's a place of learning, of sharing, sitting around the kitchen table and, and just discussing life. You will find the same thing here in my kitchen on, on Kitchen Chat. We have a variety of guests that will join us each week, uh, typically with an expert in some topic, but all guests will share such a passion for life, a lot of times a passion for food, which they can share with us too. And, and I just hope you get a sampling of, of great recipes to prepare, but also some real good takeaway value, because that's, that's what it's all about. So sometimes things might not always seem to connect, but, but in the end, they really do, because it's about a passion for life and, and great ideas and a place to share this and a platform in which to share. So today, I'm just so excited to introduce a delightful couple, Christopher and Catherine Matthews, who are food bloggers, and we'll get into to all of that. And I think today you will take away some great tips, not only on you know the, the produce markets and the Hudson Valley and, and some great healthy lifestyle tips. Uh, techniques and tips, but also some fun things to do together as couples and, and sharing your passion for a specific, um, you know, a specific type of hobby or interest, something you'd like to further explore. So we'll get into that as well. And just a quick introduction of, of Christopher and Catherine. Um, Christopher and Catherine write a weekly blog, and I really encourage you to visit that. It's upstatedowntownny.com. They're both from New York and an Epicurean couple, which we will discuss. And um, Catherine actually has written quite a bit for uh, food magazines, with O Magazine. Um, she also wrote for Town and Country, New York Times, and um, some great, great other magazines as well, and, and attended culinary school. So without further delay, Christopher and Catherine Matthews, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Oh, thank you, Margaret. We're so happy to be joining you this afternoon. From oh. our kitchen. Oh, from your kitchen. That's great. So you're in your kitchen. Oh, that's terrific. Well, I'd love, first of all, to share with the listeners how you got to, together in terms of the, the blogging. When, when did this start and what made you interested in doing that? Well, um, it's, it's funny. Years ago, before I actually started writing about food and lifestyle, uh, Christopher and I flirted with the idea of writing a food and wine newsletter as a way to share our travels and our favorite restaurants. Mm. Uh, we didn't do it because of a lot of pre-internet obstacles, you know, figuring out mailing costs, printing costs, building a mailing list, not to mention finding the time to do it given our already, you know, pretty busy schedules. But, you know, we flirted with the idea for quite a while. And then... Um, 
So, you know, fast forward to now over the last few years with the, with, you know, with the very sad demise of traditional media, many newspapers and magazines have folded. Right. And um, at the same time, the technological revolution has made it easier than ever to share information and also to express yourself in less conventional ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, today we've transitioned from traditional media, which was kind of more, a more predictable news source, into uh, uh, a digital world that's much more fluid and which seeks real-time news. Yeah, And, and- um, you know, the economics of it um, is that people are working more for less, but um, having a blog is a great way to take control of your own writing and to build your digital presence and to connect with people who share similar passions and interests. You know, so it's just, um, you know, another vehicle in your portfolio, so to speak. And I think it's so great that you're doing this together. I mean, you really are co-authors. And yes. Uh, yes, and one blog entry I really enjoyed. And, Christopher, I, I didn't realize you were actually from the South. And where uh, you yes, and Catherine, indeed. yes, where you and Catherine went back home, is it to Tennessee? Is that right? Where? That's right, West Tennessee. I had uh, an aunt who was celebrating her 80th birthday, so we went down for that. And Catherine actually had a, an assignment to work on while she was there. Uh, you'll be hearing more of that in the future. But, uh, you know, we made, a, we made a go of it. We traveled around. We went to Memphis for a day and, and hung out and did some things that um, really were quite amazing. Um, you know, some restaurants that we hadn't been to before, some new ones that are not just barbecue. And, right. Uh, and also while I was there, I, you know, got reacquainted with uh, some recipes from my family. Oh, yes. And what is one of your favorite Southern recipes? Uh, the, the buttermilk pie. The buttermilk <laughs> pie. And can you maybe share a few ingredients or techniques that our listeners might enjoy? And, and is it, I can't remember, did you post this on your website with yes, the recipe? Yes, we have a post on it. It's called the Southern Souvenir oh, Buttermilk terrific. Pie. Uh, oh, it's a fairly recent one. Okay, great. And, uh, and we'll make sure that, we provide a link to your UpstateDowntownNY.com blog so people can, can enjoy that. Yeah, well, I actually took a photo of the recipe card from my aunt. Oh. Uh, and it's on the uh, the blog post. But uh, with a buttermilk pie, it's uh, you can use butter or margarine, but you use... Uh, cup and a half of sugar hmm. with uh, one stick of butter or margin, and you cl- you cream that cold, hmm. and then you add <clears throat> three beaten eggs, uh, three tablespoons of flour, one teaspoon of vanilla, one half teaspoon of, oh, no, I'm sorry, one half cup of buttermilk, and hmm. you add those in the order that it's stated, and you don't overbeat the mixture, and then you pour it into an unbaked pie pan, pie shell. Okay. Bake that for 30 to 35 to 40 minutes at 350. And wow. what you get is uh, something that's similar to a chess pie, which is an iconic southern pie. Yes. But um, it's a little bit lighter in texture, 
it's creamier, it's a real custard, and mm. something that we ate growing up and always loved. And my aunt, although she had the night off on her 80th birthday night, oh. she did bake two buttermilk pies. And oh, how They were a huge hit, and so it really inspired us to do that. And, you know, I grew up in the South as well in Alabama, and my grandmother um, just loved buttermilk. And, and buttermilk, I guess, can help with, like, acid reflux. It's uh, kind of a natural uh, uh, natural medicine or something for, to, to, to help with those symptoms. But you, there is a distinctive flavor uh, comparing the South with New York. Um, Catherine, I assume you are not from the South. Is that right? No, I originally I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Okay, so what was it like for someone not from the South to to go experience the flavor? Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> I find I find traditional Southern food uh, heavy mm-hmm. and uh, caloric, and I'm not like uh, you know it's. Um, it has its place, and I can understand the allure of Southern comfort food. There's actually mm-hmm. a bit of a trend going back towards that now. Mm. Um, but overall, I would say, you know, I'm not a huge – I don't really crave fried foods or um, – so no fried okra. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. No, I'd, I'd probably I would probably just have it plain. Well, she hasn't um, had good fried okra, so. Oh. But um, I would say you know our our trip to Memphis was mm-hmm. really exciting in that. You know, there's there's a whole renaissance and local food appreciation that's going down on down there. You know, the farmers market market in downtown Memphis and. Hmm discovered some um, great restaurants that are really, you know, kind of reinterpreting um, some of the Southern classics in a, in a more, I don't want to say healthful way that that connotes boring, but it's, well, you know, it's lighter, it's healthful, yeah. and it's still really delicious. So, you and know, that we'll was really exciting. you a heart attack right after. So. <laughs> <laughs> so less caloric and less cholesterol. I don't know. Do they have skim buttermilk yet? Is there I such a don't thing? think they do, actually. I don't think they, I don't really think they do. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing about um, buttermilk is that it, it is actually relatively low in fat. Um, you know, it's a fermented milk product, much like mm-hmm. yogurt is, so that's considered, you know, a probiotic, and it's it's high in calcium. Oh. So I think you can get um, the low fat, which is 1%, or the reduced fat, which is 2%. I know, like, it doesn't seem like there's much... Uh, uh, discrepancy there, but that's that's the main difference. I think it comes in one or two percent. Hmm. So the what? Was right. uh, Probiotic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. She was right even back then. Um, real quick question: What do you see um, in terms of the local trends? How they are trying to make this uh, less heavy, less caloric. Um, what what are they doing in terms of the southern chefs in Memphis that you see? I think that it's just lightening up, not so much fried, uh, you know, smaller. When I say smaller, I don't mean spa-sized, but, you know, more moderate portions, um, more vegetables, uh, greenery um, that isn't, 
doused in oil. I mean, that's that was my initial um that was my impression when I was there. I mean, it was it was exciting to see. Right. They were also emphasizing, you know, the South in a way kind of lost its uh its farm to table aspect because mm-hmm. it became more big agriculture, you know, and West Tennessee is a great place to grow things, uh, one of the best places in the world, but it's mostly devoted to soybeans and to cotton. And a lot of farmers, there weren't a lot of farmers markets down there. And that's coming back. And I think people are starting to plant different things and realizing it's just a great place to grow fruits and vegetables. And I'm hoping that's going to take root because ironically here up in in the Northeast, we have much more of that than they do down South, which has always Mm -hmm. been agricultural. So uh, we're hoping that's changing. We ate at uh, a place called the Elegant Farmer, yes. uh, which if you're in Memphis, that's a great place to check out. Uh, great. And, you know, they're they're cooking southern food, It's but it's kind of, it's reinterpreted comfort food where they're, they're dialing back on the fat a little bit, yes. although there's still some there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're uh, using really fresh ingredients, yes. uh, nothing out of the can. And uh, they're really tied in with the Memphis Farmers Market. So that is neat. I love that reinvented Southern comfort food. <laughs> that that is terrific. Or maybe I don't know. That's, that is great. Well, of course, since you brought up Memphis, I have to say, what are the favorite spots there for that good old barbecue? <laughs> and any well, secret ingredients you'd like to share on that side? Uh, well, when I haven't lived in Memphis in a long time. I went to college there at Rhodes College, uh, mm-hmm. so I got to know the scene very well. But you know, and some things still remain. You know, if you're going for ribs, the Rendezvous is still a classic place with that dry rub, and you know, you can't hardly beat that. But I used to go to Payne's Barbecue, P-A-Y-N-E-S. Okay. They had great smoked shoulders. Uh, great sandwiches there, but you could buy a whole shoulder, and we did that a lot. Uh, hmm. And, of course, what I really <clears throat> what I really miss sometimes is the vinegar-based hot sauce. Oh, okay. Thing as well. It's now, how, you know, because I've never been quite certain. Each different state has a different focus in terms of the barbecue sauce itself. So Memphis. That's right would be, you would say, vinegar-based. Is that kind of their uh, signature? West Tennessee, West Tennessee vinegar-based okay. with, a, with a bite, with a okay. pepper bite. Oh, okay. And then what would you say about um, some of the other southern states? Well, South Carolina, you definitely get a mustard base uh, for, the vinegar, for the vinegar sauce. Okay. Uh, and, and then if you go further afield west, you start getting into the sweet sweet barbecue sauces, Kansas City and Texas. Oh, okay. Oh, that would be a fun tour to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> a barbecue sauce Well, of all tour places, uh, in, in New York, there's Virgil's Barbecue, and it's in Times Square. Ah. Basically, they, they toured the nation and kind of figured out what the different styles were regionally, and they, and they have all the sauces that are regional sauces. So if you're in New York and you want to do a barbecue culinary tour, that's one one place to go. 
I think that sounds great. And yes, everyone, they are based in New York. And please check out Christopher and Catherine's blog, UpstateDowntownNY.com. And they're just here on Kitchen Chat today. I'm delighted on uh, webtalkradio.net, and I'm so glad you're here listening with us today. Um, Christopher and Catherine, could you share a bit about uh, the food markets, you know, the farmer's markets uh, that you so eloquently write about in the Hudson Valley? What, what makes them so special? What'd you say? Well, I think that, you know, it's, um, I think it would probably go for most farmers markets, but, you know, it's being very close to the source, Mm -hmm. um, fresh ingredients, um, and, you know, in a way, I think, um, um, I guess in the last few years, farmers markets have really been booming and people have come to appreciate and and value them um it's you know it's a meeting place for people i think i i heard um michael pollan once describe farmers markets very aptly it's very apt description as kind of the new public mark you know public squares where people meet and you know gather and you know share and sometimes um, there's music there's more than just food there are craft products everything else Right. And the wonderful thing about farmers markets is that, you know, it's it's a very um it's a wonderful source. You can develop a relationship with a farmer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone and said, Look, you know, um, could you hold this for me? I'll be back in a few hours or you know, um and they're they're fine. You build a relationship with them, you you know, see some of the same people there. So, you know, there are relation there's a network of relationships there. And it's a great way to um buy fresh produce at a very affordable, reasonable price. Yeah, so that is a great now, resource. Now, do you two have your own garden? We don't have a large gar- vegetable garden, but mm-hmm. I do have um, an herb garden on the side of the house, which we use culinarily. Uh, several types of basil, tarragon, uh, sage, sage, yeah. uh, wow. several types of mint, uh, lemon verbena. Uh, so it grows around the edges of our house, and, mm-hmm. and I tend that fairly uh, carefully and well, and we get quite a bit out of it. But uh, we don't have a vegetable garden per se. So the produce market, the the farmers market, is a great place and to oh, it's absolutely an invaluable yeah. resource for us. I mean, and and we're we're really lucky. We're very fortunate. We have one in um, you know in Midtown in the city, um, very close to us. And here there are different. Um, you know, we kind of have our favorite um, farmers markets. There's a wonderful farm stand called Montgomery Place just a five-minute drive from us, and um, also the Rhinebeck Farmer's Market is a little ways away. This is upstate in uh, Mm -hmm. Dutchess County. So we're very lucky that way that um, local produce, especially in season, is so accessible to us. I neglected to say um, we don't have a garden, but we do have fruit trees. Oh, Uh, you have fruit trees. Oh, and what kind? A plum, uh, we have one plum, we have two pears, and three apple trees. 
Wow. But we do now, see, we do get to experience the growing season and, you know, see what the season brings. And I do mess with the trees and mm-hmm. have fun with it. And often we get a pretty good harvest. So uh, that's our, also, our closeness to the earth. <laughs> I've also dabbled in some canning as well, like usually when the um, apples come to fruition and um, Christopher will gather them and then I'll, uh, I'll, you know, make can applesauce or, you know, with the help of my lovely neighbor, Nancy. Oh. <laughs> a canning did grow. You, did yeah, you... we've had pears, too, in the past, oh. and I've made some pear jam, so, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm what... less the gardener, I think, than the cook. Right. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds great, and I can't wait to talk about cooking, but real quickly, did you all plant the trees, or were they already there? We inherited we inherited the trees okay. uh, when we bought the property. Uh, this we live in a, a farmhouse in Dutchess County. It was uh, in the same family for generations, and we took over the trees and we mm-hmm. tended them and kept that legacy going. Oh, and pear jam is the result. <laughs> Lots of great dishes. Well, tell me about cooking. It sounds like both of you really enjoy cooking. Well, we certainly enjoy eating and, and <laughs> way to, uh, to get there. So do you have any favorite dishes that you like to prepare together or individually? Any expertise or specialties within the kitchen? Well, I think like most people today, I think everyone is a bit um, pressed for time. And um, so... Um, we do cook in, you know, we like to take advantage of local produce, seasonal produce, and um, local meats, and, um, you know, it make it simple but tasty and right. not super elaborate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, last night for dinner, we made um, a poached Northwind Farm chicken. And, um, you know, we had it with some uh, scallion pesto, scallions mm. from the farmer's market. And, you know, always like a fresh green salad with, you know, maybe like fresh chopped herbs and, um, you know, avocado and dried cranberries and, and a vinaigrette, balsamic vinaigrette that I usually make. Mm. Um, and um, I think we also had some uh, sauteed baby bok choy with a little drizzle of um, um, black vinegar on it, Chinese black vinegar, and, you know, ginger and garlic. So it's, you know, it's very kind of produce-driven meals. Yes, and sounds very healthy. And, and as the listeners know, and I always have to make this disclaimer, I love food, but I am... Um, a bit challenged in the kitchen in terms of cooking, but mm-hmm. uh, these just sound fabulous. So what is um, exactly poached North Wind Farm chicken? Is that what you said? Uh, the North Wind Farm is, is the source. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's there in the Hudson Valley then? Yeah, it's actually uh, a mile away from our house. Wow. So we- that really is local. Local and unfrozen, we we go right there to the source and buy it right from the farm. So really, almost just slaughtered. Um, wow! So it doesn't get any fresher than that. That's right. And, and that makes a real difference in taste. Would you say? Uh, well, there was a time um, 
before we moved up to the Hudson Valley where Catherine and I basically stopped eating chicken because we would feel so bad after eating it. Um, mm. You know, I guess we were eating, like everyone else, you know, very highly processed chicken. <laughs> well, it's it's chicken from the supermarket that you buy where it's, you know, kind of either all cut up or it even might, it might be whole. Right. But um, we would just have, um, forgive me for saying this, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, gastrointestinal distress mm-hmm. and you know we never ever felt well and it wasn't until I read in um, Alice Waters um, cookbook Shape Anise about how kitchens were or, I'm sorry chickens were raised mm-hmm. that um, I realized oh my goodness this is why we're feeling so bad wow. so from that point on we kind of went on a boycott with chicken um, Seriously, another, I, I just remember distinctly, we had a friend come over and she actually prepared a whole chicken. She's a very good cook. Mm-hmm. And um, that night we were all sick. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, when this, after this happened a number of times, uh, and after reading Alice Waters' book, and um, we we decided just to boycott chicken for a while and then when we moved up here we discovered um northwind farms which is which is relatively close to us mm-hmm. and um they raise their chickens without antibiotics without growth hormones um they're you know they actually have room to move and you know we've been to the farm they they process them right. there and it's a clean processing facility. Mm-hmm. So from start to finish, the chickens have lived a really clean life. And and you can tell um, we buy whole chickens from them. All you know, they they also raise um, grass and pasture fed beef and mm-hmm. um, rabbits and different wow. poultry. Exactly, poultry. exactly. Yeah. But the chicken is really amazing. It's you can mm-hmm. tell because the meat was firm. Mm-hmm. You know, like it had had movement and it wasn't super fatty okay. and not once have we ever been sick. So really, oh, I mean, great. you know, it's, it's a very know, quality product. Exactly. And not everyone has access to a poultry That's farm true. nearby. So I'm sure, you know, the, the grocery stores do offer a variety of of chicken and you can see if they've been processed. Or, or whatever with um, hormone-free. and Oh, sure, and yes, and that's the that. great thing about, that was just our personal experience, but that's right. the great thing about, you know, now, like the increased awareness about, yeah. you know, local and organic foods and that, that um, you know, the access to these foods are much more available. It doesn't have to be this specific exactly. arm, but, obviously, but, you know, wherever you are, you know, if a lot of times, if you do go to the farmer's market, sometimes there are poultry farmers there. It, you know, depends where you are. Right, right. So just an encouragement to, to look local, which is great. Now, yes. One, yes, and one item on that menu caught my eye as well. What is Chinese black, is it, what was it, Chinese black vinegar that you, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. That was, that piqued my interest. <laughs> It's it's just um it's a vinegar and it's available. It's it's called um the one that I use is called um Chin Kung vinegar. It's 
E-H-I-N-K-I-A-N-G, vinegar. And, you know, if you, you know, you can usually find it at, at an Asian market if you're mm-hmm. near one. Um, I think I got this from Chinatown in Manhattan. Ah, that's great. And you you mm-hmm. sautéed the bok choy with the Chinese black vinegar. Well, it's more of a of a finishing drizzle. Oh, okay. I'm not so really really cooking it, it cooking it in it. Yeah. Okay, so you drizzle it on. Oh, that sounds great. Now, other things that have really piqued my interest too, Christopher, on your blog, you write about, um, and I pardon my pronunciation if I'm not saying this right, Shinan and Ramp. <laughs> Chinon is the red wine from the Loire Valley. Okay. Chinon is a is a it's an appellation. It's a district. Okay. Uh, and they're known for Cabernet Franc based wines. Uh, they also make a few rosés and, and whites, but Cabernet Franc reds are what they do best, and gives a really nice herbaceous, lively red wine. And Rants are, are kind of wild leeks that grow, come up in the springtime in mm. woods, other places. They have a very strong, assertive flavor. They're really the first green of the year. They're famous in Appalachia as, as a tonic green. Huh. But we have plenty of them around here. And so, you know, for a few weeks, we really kind of go hog wild on ramps. Wow. And I read that, um, Catherine, you were inspired to make homemade ramp ravioli. Indeed. Oh, and how was it? It was good. You know, I, I One don't... One of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I don't profess to be a, a pasta expert, but, you mm. know, the point is you try and you have fun with it, and that's what we did. Oh, that's great. It's a big operation, but the, the filling is what makes it, and... Uh, if you ever had spinach and ricotta ravioli, that's very nice. It's one yes. Of my favorite things. But when you put the ramps in, it takes it up a notch because oh, the ramps it flavor. has that little bite to it as well. Exactly. That's the Memphis uh, barbecue <laughs> influence. So. Exactly. It's wonderful. Oh, that does. You're going to make a, if you're going to do something with ramps other than just sauté them, mm. which is a great thing to do because they're so sweet and earthy and and they're delicious in and of themselves yeah, you but, know you don't need to make it super fancy but if hmm. you're going to use them and process them further then that's a great way to do it okay that ramp ravioli you never know what you're going to learn here on <laughs> um, actually i think a few um hudson valley chefs have um have done that Oh, with the the ramp ravioli then. That's yeah, funny. when 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 you know they're when they're in season here, um, for example, at one of our favorite um, um, restaurants, the chef there, Francesco Butani, makes a, a delicious ramp ravioli. Oh, now which restaurant is this? It's called Mercato. Mercato. That's mm-hmm. so Osteria. It's an Osteria in Red Hook. Uh, New York, which is up in Dutchess County. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Oh, now, now, Catherine, I read that you actually um, went to culinary school at La Technique. Was this yes. a recent um, a thing that you did, or, or was it a while ago? Have you always? It was a while it? ago. It okay. was a while ago. It was in the late nineties. I went to the French Culinary Institute in Manhattan, and I completed their La Technique program, 
which at the time was a condensed version of the professional chef training program. And um, I went to the French Culinary Institute to better inform my what was going to be at that point my future writing career uh-huh. and um, my future food writing career, that is. And, right. you know, my intention was never really to work at a restaurant. Um, and then after I completed the program, um, that really confirmed that I, you know, <laughs> didn't want to work at a restaurant. I mean, I, I respect people who do, but it, you know, I came away with an appreciation for how physically hard and exhausting right. working in a restaurant can be. Right. Um, but personally, on a personal level, it really sharpened my own cooking skills uh, at home and it gave me a sense of how a restaurant kitchen functions, uh, right. as well as a fundamental base for classic cuisine. Oh, that is terrific. And and Christopher, have you just always had a love of cooking and, and food and, and, and wine? Or um, when did, did this develop later? Have you always had this experimental palate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess it started with my maternal side of the family. They were originally from the farm, and they loved mm-hmm. food. Uh, mm-hmm. They ate well. It wasn't sophisticated things. Uh, it was, you know, basic southern cooking with a lot of baked goods thrown in, a lot of good rolls and biscuits and such like that. But um, in the summer, they ate farm-to-table, uh, either from mm-hmm. their own gardens or from relatives who were still on the farm that had gardens. So I got a good taste of what, you know, good vegetables should taste like in season. And, right. Uh, and, and I've always loved to eat. And when I went to college and studied abroad and went to an international business program, you know very well, in yes. graduate school, yes. uh, I just kind of let my curiosity and palate guide me. Um, I've always been fond of, of beers and wines. And, you know, there you were a kid in a candy store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is where the interest and passion kind of developed. Then over time, um, you know, like Catherine, I decided, you know, it was good to get some formal training to better inform, you know, how I approach the subject and to maybe eventually write about wine. So I did mine at the International Wine Center in New York. I did their advanced certificate. And it was a great way to give a framework in which to to analyze wine and to, to learn about it. You never learn at all because it's such a big world of wine out there. Right. At least a a way to kind of of approach it and eventually even teach and write about it. So it was a good move. And uh, if anyone ever wants to go that route, I can highly recommend the International Wine Center to do that. That is great. And you you also include in several of your posts the pairings of the wine and the food, which, which gives some great resources uh, for readers of, of your blog. So uh, definitely. Your wine is as food. Uh, it's certainly a great complement to it. And one multiplies the other, I think. So uh, we, we tend to pay attention to that in our own cooking and, and mm-hmm. eating and so when we hit something right, we like to pass it on. That is terrific. And it's such a wonderful read and, and informative. And, and I just love that you do this as a couple. And when did you discover um, that this is something that you could blog about and, and do together and work on together and have fun and travel and sample, sample life? 
Well, um, I, you know, we've enjoyed food since the very beginning of our relationship. And in the beginning, it was more about, you know, going to hot restaurants and dining out. Mm-hmm. And then later when we lived together, that evolved into cooking and entertaining together, um, where we experimented with different foods and and wines. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, over time, we became known as sort of serious foodies in our circle of friends. And, you know, people were always asking me about um, different restaurants or cooking and with Christopher about wine. So that just kind of evolved. <laughs> oh, and here you are riding in it. Right. And, and, and so when you... I'd also say that <laughs> yes. Catherine's, uh, you know, extensive writing background, we often mm-hmm. did went on assignment in a way, you know, she had to go places and I was either the chauffeur or the photographer. So we kind of did things together. um, And that's part of it too. We are, we've been doing that for a while. It's part of the whole journey of kind of discovering a place at a certain time, Mm -hmm. you know, a restaurant, um, uh, you know, a special place um, together. Oh, that, and that makes it more special to to journey together on that. Exactly, and it, you yeah. know, and it it's you know, and if you if the interest is inherently there, mm-hmm. um, then I think it's it's fun and right. it's something that you share together. Oh, now if so, Chris, were, you know, we're into you know hot dogs and um, you know, <laughs> chips all the time. I don't know if we have the same experience, <laughs> but because we really kind of share the same um, interest and passion for right. food and we like the same kind of food, it, it makes it, you know, kind of more of a, a, a pleasurable experience when we do it together. Oh, that, that is just terrific. And, and writing about it, it's just, it's just so delightful to read their blog and, and to see the photographs. And Yes, and Christopher, Thank are you. you the photographer behind this, or do you both... Uh, participate we both do it, but I will say that he's an he's an absolutely excellent photographer. Um, I'm a little bit I'm more blushing now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we both do it, but he really has the better aim and and focus. Oh, that is terrific! Now, what is the most memorable culinary adventure that the two of you shared? <laughs> Oh, and where was this? Uh, in a restaurant or, or out of state? Oh, there there have been many adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say one uh, was in the south of France. That's uh, exactly what I was going to go in on. the Var region, where we were introduced to this couple from some friends uh, who lived in Brooklyn, hmm. and they said, "No, you must look up our friends. They've got a winery in the Var region. Go check out the winery. They're great, you know." You'll have a great time. So we actually got in the car and, and drove a, a good distance to their winery, which was on an old Roman ruin. Hmm. Uh, you know, they have artifacts they dig up all the time there from that period. Wow. The wines were quite good. Um, it was amazing. It was like a seven-course lunch, I believe. Well, we're jump- wow. jumping a little <laughs> bit ahead. We, we met the proprietor, who's a very successful French businessman, and his wife, who's German, uh, an author and writer. Huh. And we had a great uh, afternoon with them, and they said, oh, we must go have lunch. Uh, 
and we thought we would go just have a nice little lunch in the countryside, but it turned out that we went to this French uh, three-star Michelin, La Bastille de Tourtour. With a helicopter <laughs> With a helicopter pad. pad. <laughs> we got there because his property adjoined this place, and we went on the back roads in his Range Rover through <laughs> truffle fields uh, that his dogs hunt find truffles on. Oh. And we ended up at this this amazing restaurant and proceeded to have uh, an amazing five-course lunch with the wines from uh, the winery. They actually have them at that restaurant. And we had one of the best cheese card experiences ever from local fresh cheeses there from that region. And uh, I'd have to say that was by far one of the best best lunches, restaurant experiences we've ever had. But we were in good company, and they <laughs> they were for sure going to get the best service. Yes, a helicopter for lunch. That's uh, <laughs> to take you uh, to lunch. That's amazing. What a great, great experience to to have that together. And and speaking of vineyards, and kind of to your writing, Catherine, I noticed that um, for the New York Times, you had, had uh, interviewed. Um, someone out in California who owns a, a winery. And that was so much fun to, to read about how this Hollywood producer of um, some TV shows, I don't know if it was Law and Order, has a vineyard and went from city to country. Right. Was that a fun place to tour and a fun article to write? Yes, uh, it, it was great. Um, it was um, uh, near Santa Ynez. Um, they were they were actually in Solvang, where the the movie Sideways took place. There, oh, that's where their vineyard yeah. was. So, um, you know, really lovely family, and um, and they took me to one of their favorite um, Italian restaurants, which was delicious. And for some reason, the name escapes me. I apologize. Oh, but, yeah, no, it was it was it was quite fun, and you know they were very, they they kind of got a crash course in in winemaking, but they're they're very passionate and, and enthusiastic, and you know as is the entire family it became a real family venture and passion, so oh, that was fun. That sounds like it was a fun article to write. It was, <laughs> it was, it was. And some of our listeners actually are freelance writers. And um, how did you uh, connect with um, not only the food writing, but lifestyle writing? You've written for O Magazine and Bon Appetit yes. and, and New York Times and just an impressive list of of um, uh, town and country as well. And, and the list goes on. Uh, how did you get interested in that? Did you study journalism? Kind of how did the path take you there? Um, no, I didn't. Actually, before I began, uh, began I, before I began food writing, I was in market research. Um, mm. But being immersed in numbers and data all day was never really me. Um, you know, what I found myself doing was I would, um, you know, my release, my escape was coming home and cooking meals or, you know, throwing dinner parties, that kind of thing. So then I also had a couple of corporate downsizing experiences. And then after the last one in the late 90s, I decided to pursue my real passion and to try my hand at uh, food writing. And that's when I went to the French Culinary Institute in Manhattan. And after that stint, um, I... uh, 
I began writing for well you know I, I you know the, the challenge of transitioning into uh, into a writing career is really with getting those first clips right. it's kind of like getting your first job it's a catch-22 catch-22 mm-hmm. you know you can't get a job without the experience but if you don't have a job how do you get right. the experience <laughs> So, you know, even though I had, um, you know, I'd been working for a while, it wasn't writing specific, so how would I get those um, first clips? And um, what I did was uh, after I I finished the program, the La Technique program at the French Culinary Institute, I started writing for their newsletter for free, <laughs> which That's led me also, right, which led, you know, they had one. And so I said, sure, I would do it. And then, which also led me to write for the, um, the, another newsletter, AIWF, the American Institute of Wine and Food. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also began, um, and that was also free, you know, but I, you know, that's, that's what you do in the beginning, yeah. you know, you, uh, for the exposure and for the clips. And then I began writing cookbook reviews for Publishers Weekly. Ah. And then, right, yeah. And that was fun. And then from there, things began to flow and, and to grow. I actually co- happened to cold call um, um, the Associated Press. And um, I think they had a newly installed food editor, and mm-hmm. then um, she had me write food features for them, and and um, so I started contributing regularly there. And then I um, um, I also wrote restaurant reviews for Bon Appetit. Um, I had uh, uh, met the editor to whom I was introduced from uh, a mutual friend. And, uh, you know, she's now the editor-in-chief um, at uh, Epicurious, for which I've also... Yes, and is this, is this Ruth Reichel? No, 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 no. no. That, okay. Ruth Reichel was at Gourmet. This oh, was, Gourmet. Um, yeah. yeah, this was Tanya Wenman-Steele. Oh, she's the great. editor-in-chief at Epicurious now, but she was my... Um, First editor at Bon Appetit when oh, she had the terrific. yeah for restaurant reporter, and um, you know from there it um, it grew, and mm-hmm. uh, initially I was writing strictly about food, but you know health and wellness has always been uh, a big part of my life and and passion and interest as well, and so gradually over time. Um, I started writing about health and nutrition and more lifestyle. You know, I broadened the base, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but food is always something that I come back to. It's, you know, it's a a big and it's also an important part of uh, my life, our life. Yes, and it always comes back to the kitchen, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> and the whole premise right. of kitchen chat. Yes, that well. Yes, yes. yes. So I guess what uh, the takeaway might be for, for those prospective authors or writers um, looking for, for tips would be write about what you really enjoy. Write, write about what you know. Write mm-hmm. about what you're passionate about. Yes. Um, because you'll be doing it a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it really has to be, you know, I, I don't know that I would have had the same luck if I had had to write about, let's say, financial news mm-hmm. or, you know, writing for a legal firm, um, you know, that the kind of more technical writing. I was really writing about something I was passionate about, and I think that that's 
that's where it all begins. It has right. to. And I love your um, advice, too, about, you know, write free for newsletters or, or just whatever might be out there uh, to mm-hmm. build up the portfolio and the credibility that uh, you can then take on take on to other uh, opportunities. Oh, well, congratulations mm-hmm. on your successful <laughs> portfolio. Oh. And effort. Yes. They're, they're well, thank you. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, it's, you know, for anyone who's trying to freelance, right, I say keep going at it because it's, you know, it, and only if you're super passionate about it because right. it's really a combination of, you know, there's no right or wrong, but it's really a combination mm-hmm. of luck, persistence, you know, yeah. forging connections, um, you know, building your network and having a good story idea at the right time, which I think yes. is key. That is so important. And I encourage the listeners to, to click in on the website and their blog site once again, which is um, upstatedowntownny.com. And there is a section portfolio and, and Catherine's writings from the different articles um, many are there, which excellent reading. So that's, that's great. Well, Christopher, are you planning any entertaining in your home soon coming up? Any dinner parties or anything planned? Well, uh, I'm going to be traveling a bit through Labor Day. So we'll take a good uh, look after Labor Day and see how it goes. We might uh, try to do a barbecue or something around then. As I should say, in the South, we don't call it a barbecue. We call it a grill-out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> barbecue is the food. Grill-out is the actual event. But, uh, right. Uh, so nothing uh, on the fore right now, but I will be, uh, at the end of the week, I'll be on a uh, uh, trip to Germany. Oh, great. And, Catherine, will you be going on that journey as well? Uh, it doesn't look like it for now it was on the agenda but um it doesn't look like it right now oh well and and where will you be traveling together again do you when you when you plan the travels of course it revolves around food i'm sure (laughs) so do you have any fun wine or uh, some kind of assignment yes we we might be in uh on the west coast in october the west coast great oh great and i can't wait uh, to hear more catherine when you're um able to share about this wonderful project (laughs) that you have oh oh, you you mean you you mean about you mean about the blog oh okay yes oh oh no i'm sorry i'm sorry or about you had mentioned something that uh that you'll you'll announce uh, in the near future so that'll be oh yes fun yeah to follow that. Oh, I just commend you as this Epicurean couple of, of what you do together in, in exploring the world of food and cuisine and wine and, and just bringing it all to the table and, and sharing it with others. It's, it's just excellent, excellent, uh, an excellent resource. Listeners, I encourage you to read more about Christopher and Catherine Matthews on their blog, UpstateDowntownNY.com. Uh, learn about the produce and recipes, ravioli, ramp ravioli. And, uh, and May I share with you something else, Margaret? Please do, yes. Oh, okay. Well, the the one thing that I, I, I did want to say is, um, um, you know, I think that um, – you know, we really believe in a holistic approach to healthy living and 
that it's the sum of the parts, you know, sleep, diet, exercise, how you manage your stress, what you value, and where you choose to spend your money that really contributes to yeah. long-term good health. And diet's a huge part of that. Food is. Good food is. Right. Um, and so, you know, I like that, you know, we have to make a case, as Oprah Winfrey's O Magazine always says, you know, living your best life. And yeah. what, what we're really trying to do is show the life that you're living in the here and now and that the food that you choose to put in your body really reflects the way you look at the environment, your attitude about life, money, stress, you know, everything. So, um, you know, that's really like our approach as a couple and, you know, that, you know, that's what we enjoy together and that's kind of our approach. And I'll just share really briefly with you, but about two years ago, you know, I, you know, we're going to move in this direction too, more about, um, um, fitness and movement. But about two years ago, I was in really top athletic athletic shape. I'm, I'm also a runner. Mm. But I had a literal fall from grace. I was sick all the time. My blood pressure was high. I was having all kinds of accidents. And I was real thin. And it had everything to do with the way that I was eating and exercising. Mm. And, um, you know, I be, as I began working with a holistic nutritionist to resolve some of these issues, I was forced to re-examine my relationship to my body and to my work and with, you know, my family, literally everything. And in the process, um, I retooled my diet. <laughs> and Chris is by, Christopher's by default. So um, I think what this experience made me, made us realize is that we really can't compartmentalize our health. It's really about the big picture. Yeah. You know, and no matter how terrifyingly volatile Wall Street is, one of the best and most solid investments that you can, you know, that you can make is in your health. Yeah. And that's why, for instance, you know, we eat um, organic and that's why we support local growers. Um, and, you know, it's they're they're. We may not see the effects right away, mm-hmm. but you know they're in our body, and we can we can feel the effects. I think, and um, good food, um, delicious food, is you know, is really about good good health. You know. Yes, and, and that um, is so well said. And there is a section on your blog that listeners can click for holistic tips in terms of eating and good exercise and and nutrition well that's coming that's Great. coming there will be oh, more good. of a compilation but you know Wonderful. through through the through the different posts you know we really try to address what you put in your body what you put on your body yeah. and you know after all um you know, just to keep in mind that like 80% of diseases are um, diet related. And so wow. this is what we mean by holistic health. Like nothing is taking place in a vacuum. And when you invest in your body or your health, it's the best thing for you. So, um, you know, we're we're not trying to be doctrinaire about it because our body, you know, or tell somebody specifically, this is how you should eat or exercise. Our blog really celebrates life pleasures, you know, um, food and the body. So, um, you know, we're less about telling you specifically how to eat or exercise, although we'll provide you news and information, nutritional information, you know, on those topics. Um, because when it comes to food, 
um, everyone's body is different. You know, you're, right. you're going to like different things than I do and vice versa. So you have to find your own nirvana there. Yeah. But, um, you know, we really take a more proactive celebratory stance. And, you know, um, there's there's um, a lot that's, you know, beautiful and delicious and healthful and, um, you know, that where you can really feel your best. And I think what makes Upstate Downtown different, too, is that we are region-specific, New York Mm -hmm. City and the Hudson Valley, and that we write about our own personal lifestyle experiences with journalistic integrity, meaning it's not just about what we had for dinner, but we try to share with you information that we think, you know, you'll find helpful in terms of nutrition or wellness. And, you know, our experience are planted, we plant it um, in a region so that it serves as an outreach and information to the community exactly. as well. And no matter but, what. You know, it's also applicable on a more, you know, on a larger scale too. Yes. And in this way, we're able to do something that a newspaper or a PR firm can't really do. You know, exactly. for example. Right. For example, yeah. national newspapers don't have the budgets to devote to news in specific regions, locales, or neighborhoods anymore. Right. Um, but even if know, someone doesn't live in Hudson Valley, New York, that's right. It doesn't have to be here, fabulous. but it's it's, yes. it's you know it's to get you thinking. I mean, right. You know where you know where you may live. You may also be able to buy you know yeah buy lettuce at your farmer's market, and exactly. you know I'll share with you with nutritional benefits. So oh, and it's great touchstone. Yes, for us, and it can be a touchstone for other people. But we do write. In a way that other people can glean things that aren't from the Hudson Valley. That's right. Yes, and which and and this is so key with a holistic living. I feel like we could do a whole other kitchen chat show on that topic. I hope you two will join me again in the kitchen. Oh, we'd love to. And thank you so much for having us around your table. It was really lovely. Thank you. From our table to yours. Oh, well, this has just been a great time of sharing. Christopher and Catherine Matthews, thank you so much, everyone. Check out their blog, um, wonderful resources, update, uh, upstatedowntowny.com, upstatedowntowny.com for some wonderful, wonderful lessons in the kitchen and on life. Just a great resource. And I hope that you will join me in the kitchen next week. Our guest will be Dr. Nat, Dr. Nathaniel Williams, author of seven books, his latest, Attaining Your Personal Best. So I look forward to to connecting with you. And please contact me anytime here on Kitchen Chat at webtalkradio.net. And I just am so grateful that you have taken the time today from your busy schedule to come visit me in my kitchen on Kitchen Chat. Remember, everyone, savor the day.